King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. Ah! As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood and stone. Stand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing, and tells me what it means, will be clothed in purple, and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or, or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale, his nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have intelligence and insight and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams explain riddles and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel. He will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight intelligence and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. 
Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your Majesty, the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendour. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and people of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Here is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Parson, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Well, brilliant. Uh, Ashley, thank you very much for reading that. If, if you do have a Bible with you, keep it open in Daniel. And let me pray for us uh, as we come to look at this next part of the book. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we gather again uh, on this Sunday, uh, some of us come uh, weary from all this lockdown inconvenience, needing refreshment. Uh, some of us come discouraged, uh, looking for comfort. Some of us perhaps come even confused and looking for direction. 
and we're persuaded all of those things are found in knowing the Lord Jesus. Please would you cause us to meet with him by your spirit, through your word. We ask it in his name. Amen. And now there's, there's some, I think, who, who could wonder, what difference does Jesus really make? Uh, they might think, if you're some kind of middle-aged sensitive soul like me, then, then belief in something that offers personal forgiveness is fine, as long as we all kind of admit and recognise that it's really no more than the, the grown-up equivalent of a security blanket. I mean, what difference does Jesus uh, really make? You could think about North Korea, where being a Christian is illegal, and if reports are to be believed, then somewhere between 50 and 70,000 Christians are imprisoned just for their faith. Uh, what difference has Jesus really made to them? Or even here in Britain, a report a few years back said Britain's no longer a Christian country and it, and it called for public life to be systematically de-Christianized, changing values about marriage, about abortion and, and euthanasia mean that the, the cultural influence of Christianity is being eroded, if not erased, and it seems unstoppable. So what difference did Jesus really make? Or in the, the face of COVID-19, Christians are not immune. Now, when you're, when you're confronted by those who are really in charge culturally or, or politically or, or in the face of serious threats to health, what difference does Jesus really make? And if you've, if you've ever thought those kind of questions or if they're in your mind at all, then, then Daniel would say, well, look, have a look at this. We're in chapter five this morning, but it really goes with chapter four that we were, we were looking at last week. There, they're two halves of the same big idea. At chapter four, it's King Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter five, it's King Belshazzar. Belshazzar will refer to Nebuchadnezzar as his father, but it's, it's really more like ancestor. There's, there's been four kings and, and over 25 years between the two of them. Chapter four, well, chapter four is Babylon's heyday. Chapter five is Babylon's last day. You see that verse, verse 30? That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom. And you read that, and you, you, you wonder what, what's happened in the intervening years, but at that point you realise that our, our author is not really interested in, in history in any kind of general sense. No, he's just more interested in, in telling us stuff that will, that will keep showing us why why trusting Daniel's God is not the grown-up equivalent of a security blanket. It really is the wise move for you and me. Uh, remember the other week we, we said if you, if you want to get a sense of these chapters, it's sometimes helpful to think a little bit like a wine taster. Slosh them round a little bit. See if you can pick up the distinctive flavour. You do that with these chapters and, and you get something. Uh, chapter 4 and verse 17, if you can turn back to that. We read this last week. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Go down to verse 25, same thing there. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Then you come back to chapter 5. Verse 21, and remember, it's, it's more than 25 years later, and we hear the same thing. 
His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. Nebuchadnezzar said about God in chapter 4, verse 37, those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Daniel says about Belshazzar in chapter 5, verse 22, but you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself. Uh, See what these chapters are telling us? What do you need to know? God rules over every other power on the earth. And and in the end, he'll ultimately decide what happens. So what do you need to do? Be humble and listen to him. Well, it's an alternative view of history and power, isn't it? But what if it's true? What if this is true? Well, it would be a warning to those with power who sometimes oppose God. And it would be a real encouragement to God's people who sometimes suffer at their hands. The story, chapter 5, Belshazzar's having a great banquet. The the wine's flowing and he's enjoying himself. And and he commands some of the, the royal treasures to be brought to the party. Gold and silver goblets from the temple in Jerusalem. And... And while they're drinking, verse 4, they praise the gods of gold and silver. And just when they're living it up, at the height of the festivities, a weird hand appears and begins writing on the wall. And the king, verse 6, his face turned pale, so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. And and here's the, the first thing that Daniel shows us. How we live doesn't go unnoticed. Now, you might be thinking it's a little harsh on Belshazzar. Kings have banquets, they have wine going. He's hardly opposing God, but spot the details as the writer records it. There's plenty of treasures that he has, but he asked for the Jerusalem one specifically. And Daniel knows what's going on, verse 23. You have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Belshazzar was making a point. He was making a point about himself over this so-called God. And you might think, well, he's from a different culture. How is he expected to know? But that's verse 22. Daniel reminds Belshazzar of Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, but you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this, all the things that God had done. This isn't ignorance flowing from a lack of knowledge. No, this is, this is arrogance showing that it, it really just doesn't care. I don't know if you know the comedian Lee Mack. I, I once heard him interviewed on the BBC4 radio show, um, Desert Island Disc. The, if you know, it's the show that says, if you were cast away in a desert island, what, what are the eight pieces of music that you'd want to have with you? And towards the end, the They also say we we would give you some other things to take along with you on the desert island, including a copy of the Bible. And Lee Mack interestingly said, oh, I'd I'd love that. I I really want to read the Bible. And when he was asked why, he said this. I just think if, if aliens ever visited and asked me what life's all about, and I said, oh, we've got this book that claims to tell us where we've come from, where we're going, and what God thinks... 
And if they said, wow, what does it say? Uh, and I said, I don't know. Didn't bother reading it. That would be weird. That's Belshazzar. He could have found out more, but he doesn't care and he just kind of mockingly opposes God. Now, you don't have to be a king to, to live like that. It's the kind of thing where someone feels, look, um, I, even without thinking too much about God, I, I can just laugh him off. It's the husband. It's the husband whose, whose wife's a Christian and she's always kind around the house, but he, he just can't stop himself from sneering that she's just a bit religious. Or it's the teenager whose younger brother becomes a Christian uh, and he, he mocks him in front of his friend saying he's joined the God Squad. But Daniel 5 says that doesn't go unnoticed. When we began reading Babylon, uh, uh, began reading Daniel a few weeks back, did you notice how, how Babylon seemed unstoppable? Huge empire. But as we've gone on, have you, have you noticed that it's wobbly? Chapter 2. Uh, the king of the whole world. He has the world at his feet. And then he has a troubling dream and his wise men can't help him. Babylon is wobbly. Uh, chapter 3. This all-powerful king commands everyone to worship his statue. But... But some of God's people say no, and then he, he orders their certain death. But on this occasion, God keeps them alive. Babylon is wobbly. At, at dinner at our house, it's, it's sometimes, well, after dinner, it's sometimes wrestling time. Boys with, with excess energy to use, try and get one over on daddy. It's a serious business, and muscles flex. But thankfully, they're still at a stage where, with one finger from me placed in the right place, uh, I'm able to tickle them and they wobble and fall. That's the fun version. Daniel 5 is the serious one, where God shows us the reality, well, the reality of Babylon, the reality of all human empires, the reality of human life. It's all wobbly. God, with one finger, prodded Babylon, and first the king, and then the empire fell. Have you felt those kind of wobbles? I mean, we're finally through uh, Brexit, we, we've got a government in place, let's get it done. And then overnight, the whole world wobbles. The whole world. Or more personally, um, maybe you felt it more personally, I've been... I've been reading this book by a man called uh, Jeremy Marshall and he describes the day he got a really serious health diagnosis. And he writes about it like this. I felt my knees go weak and a cold hand gripped my heart. It, it sounds almost like Belshazzar. He wobbled. It's sometimes easy, isn't it? It's sometimes easy to laugh off questions about life and death and, and God. But Daniel says to us, that would be foolish pride. Remember how wobbly life is. Remember how wobbly your life is. Now, we're going to hear more from Daniel in a bit. Before we do, we're, we're going to sing a song that says, hear our prayer. It's worth thinking about, isn't it? In this wobbly life, what should we be saying to God? And what would we hope 
he would hear from us. If you're able, why not stand as we sing this together? Oh, do sit down again. Look back into Daniel. If, if Daniel 5 has been telling us um, the way we live doesn't go unnoticed, part of the reason it's wanting to say that to us, draw our attention to it, is, is so that we don't miss the help that God would give. There's a real irony in the story. Uh, verse 8, the, the king's advisors, they, they can't read the writing. It, it's what we've, we've seen time and again throughout this book, God often exposes the weaknesses of the things that we rely on. In this case, again, the king's go-to guys are not worth going to. But then the queen arrives, verse 10, and there's someone who's known for being really wise. I guess we're not surprised when we hear the name. It's, it's Daniel. But you notice in the story, he seems to have been demoted under Belshazzar. But the, the irony comes when the king speaks to him. That, that's verse 13. Are you Daniel, uh, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? Now, Belshazzar would know who Daniel was, and the way he speaks to him, it, it is something of a put down. He, he's not saying, are, are, you, are you Daniel, uh, one of the officials who served my father, or are you Daniel, the, the one I've heard all the stories about, the way you interpreted those dreams? No, what he says are you one of the exiles from Judah? Are you one of the cast-off men from the defeated nation that we brought back? But the irony is, the help Belshazzar needs comes from the servant of the god Belshazzar mocks. That's humbling, isn't it? And the tragedy, the real tragedy of the story is, Daniel's been there all the time. And as we've seen as the weeks have gone on, he's never been reluctant to, to pray and to offer God's help and wisdom. But why would you bother with a cast-off Jewish man and a God with no real power? And then with one finger, Babylon wobbles and falls. Uh, the comedian Eddie Izzard, he, he is someone who, who makes fun of Christians from, from time to time. I've got to say, he's pretty good at his job in, in that regard. He, he's quite good at it. But I recently read this interview with him from The Guardian. It's from a couple of years back. He was reflecting on the loss of his mother. And he says this, I have this very strong sense that we are on this planet for a short length of time. Religious people might think it goes on after death. My feeling is that if that is the case, it would be nice if just one person came back and let us know. I don't know what you make of that. And then you wonder what difference Jesus really makes. And you think about it, I mean, more than Daniel, much more than Daniel, he is the ultimate cast-off Jewish man with no real influence. I mean, he was crucified on a Roman cross. He, he was hung up to, to public mocking. Eddie Izzard certainly wasn't the first person to, to make fun of him. And what difference does he make? And yet the Bible would say with almost like with, with one finger, God raised him from the dead. And at that moment, the, the whole of history wobbled at that point. Death's not the end. That's what that means. Death's not the end. Your death's not the end. God's, God's power has been displayed. Weakness has triumphed over power. Humility triumphed over pride. And here's the thing that goes to the very heart 
of why the Christian message really is good news. Not a good plan, not a good way to live, but good news for you to hear is that God has come. God has come even to those who were opposed to him in the person of Jesus. And he's taken the penalty for our sin. He's faced the consequences. He's, he's faced our death for us. And he's been present in the world. God has been present in the world in Jesus. And he's not reluctant to help. Uh, those of you who may be in Pathfinders, grafted, uh, teenagers, it, just as this whole situation goes on and life begins to get boring, kind of cut off from friends and school and all those things, and and you wonder, how will you find your way through? How will you live in these slightly stressful times? But you realise as you read this that the Lord Jesus loves you. He's not reluctant to help. And he will speak to you if you humble yourself and read his word and listen to him and ask him. Or maybe this past week, lockdown has been one of those things where it's just brought out the worst in you. It brought out all your irritability. That has been me this past week. Needing the help of a saviour like this to help me and give me wisdom to know the way ahead. And if you don't know this Jesus yet, he is not reluctant to help. But those who mock God are are often blind to him. I mean, it's, it's easier, isn't it? It's easier to describe belief in God as just a, a joke or illogical. I was chatting to someone who recently started coming along to, to Christ Church. I asked them how they found it. I was surprised because they said, well, to be honest with you, I, I found it quite uncomfortable. I expected to switch off during the Bible talks. But what I found is they started to make sense and they began to make me think in ways I hadn't before. Maybe you're someone who started tuning in recently as well, and, and you've found that. Daniel would say to you, it is wise humility when you, you listen to God's word and consider what he says. And look, here's, here's the very final thing we're going to look at this morning. Don't, don't miss the help God would give, because those without God are, in the end, weightless. Strange thing to say, but we come now to the writing on the wall, verse 25. Many, many tackle parson. It's, on a, it's a play on words to do with weights. God's numbered your days. He's weighed you on the scale. Your kingdom will be split. You, you, you're finished. You're flimsy and you're fractured. It's what Daniel said, verse 23. You did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and your ways. God's picked you up, Belshazzar. And for all your wealth, there, there's no weight to you. There, there's nothing to you. And now there's going to be nothing left. You, you mocked God. You, you missed the help he would have given. And now it's too late for you. If you're a Christian, as you look at the world and you think about the influence those in power seem to have and, and the weakness of of those who seem to follow Jesus, and you think, is it worth it? Is it worth sticking with this? Daniel says, look, we've seen it all before, but God really is in control, and he notices how we live. He'll give wisdom and help to those who ask him. And there is coming a day when he will weigh your life. And on that day, you'll have no other props to rely on. 
And it's only lives that have been lived trusting Jesus, that have leaned on him, that know he's their saviour, that will have any weight to them. So stay humble and listen to him. He loves you. And if you're not a Christian, I wonder what you think of history and, and where it's going. Daniel makes a bold claim, doesn't he? He, he says the God of the Bible will one day weigh your life as, as he weighs mine. So, so stop keeping him at arm's length and, and consider what he's done, not just through Daniel, but through Jesus Christ. The one he says died for you and rose to life, proving that death wasn't the end. Humble yourself and ask for the help that he might give before the day it's too late and your life wobbles and falls. We mentioned in the notices earlier, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a series of Monday evenings, something called Christianity Explored. It'll be a chance to hear a little bit more from the Bible and then to be able to ask questions and talk about it for a little while. Lee Mack even thinks something like that could be good. So why don't you decide to zoom in for that hour for, for a few weeks and see what you make of it? We're going to sing our final song in a moment. If you've got young ones in the house that are off doing other things, why, why not go and get them now and maybe wrestle them, wrestle them back, uh, back into the room for our final song. It's a great song that reminds us the good news of the Christian message is that God graciously helps even those like you and me who were opposed to him. As the music begins, let's stand and sing together. <laughs> 